Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church tonight. We're thankful that you're able to spend a few minutes with us. Praise God. We hope that the word of the Lord uh, helps somebody tonight. I apologize for my voice. <laughs> we got uh, some nicer weather, and the pollen has gone crazy around our house. And so I apologize if my voice isn't all it normally is. <clears throat> Praise God. I want to uh, share something with you tonight. God has really been moving at Spirit of Grace Church in and amongst us. We were we were uh, we were pleased and blessed to baptize ten more people this past Sunday, and uh, that that puts us um, right around fifty since the first of the year. And so God is doing some amazing things. Um, but I also understand that when God begins to move, it stirs up the things of our enemy. And I want to give some instruction tonight for those of you that are questioning and wondering uh, what is going on in the Spirit. I want to speak to you about the war of the worlds tonight. The war of the worlds from Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 to 13. Um, some of the essentials, if you will, of something we call spiritual warfare. Really, spiritual warfare is very pragmatic. <clears throat> it's uh, not something that's way out in the uh, weird zones, out in left field. It's really just keeping your feet and your uh, eyes focused on the things of God. And we want to challenge you to do that tonight, but we want to identify some things that happen to us that we sometimes question, doubt, and don't totally understand. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his, in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. <clears throat> For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to re resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. <clears throat> and then it goes into all the different uh, pieces of armor, which we aren't going to deal with that really tonight. But I wanted to make reference of the one scripture. We wrestle not against flesh and blood enemies. If you're battling against flesh and blood, you're, you're fighting the wrong fight. And so we want to challenge you to fight something that's not flesh and blood, but let's fight the true enemy, the enemy of our soul. Several years ago, uh, an American evangelist visiting South Africa told the story of his first trip into the African bush. And a group of local pastors had decided to treat him to a true African experience. And so they arrived at their destination and they ate a meal before going to bed. And they had stayed in this real nice cabin. And the host said, here, I'll open this window so uh, you can have some fresh air. <coughs> Excuse me. And the screen will keep all of the mosquitoes out. This evangelist slept well until he heard the king of the jungle begin to roar. Uh, right outside of his bedroom window, the lions began to uh, go at it, if you will. And those of us that have never experienced something like that cannot grasp even what an earth-shattering sound, the roar of a lion in the middle of the night, especially right outside your bedroom window, and only a little screen in between you and that roar. 
And so the evangelist was so scared that uh, he couldn't even get up to, to close the window. He just uh, somehow made it through the night shaking in his bed. And the lion never came in for the kill. At the first stirring of his host, who had slept through it all, obviously, the evangelist accused them of uh, endangering their life, his life. And how could you sleep like that? Didn't you hear the lion? And amused, they took him outside and showed him what they knew about, but he didn't know about. A few feet from the open window ran a strong, high fence that surrounded the camp, and there were armed guards posted at the gates uh, of the, the fenced-in camp. And in the light of the African sun, the, the evangelist realized sheepishly, but uh, gratefully, that he was completely safe the entire night. The only thing that could really get to him uh, into the secured camp was the roar of the lion. And that really fits, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that really fits where we are living today. You see, we are living in a season, a, an era of society where there's a lot of noise, a lot of fearful noises, a lot of roars, if you will. But you have to remember that if you are in the camp of the Lord, there is a standard that's been raised up that cannot be defeated, that cannot be overwhelmed or overrun. His protection is always good. And so while you hear all of the stuff and you hear the roar of the noise uh, going on around you, you are safe in the arms of Almighty God. And so, but there are some times where you're dealing with what we would consider a spiritual attack or an attack of our enemy the devil, Satan himself. And uh, many of these um, times, I'm going to talk about five of them in our lives, are really applicable to where a lot of us are at. Uh, I would assume for all of you that are watching, I know for those of you that attend Spirit of Grace Church on a regular basis, uh, some one of these five areas of your life is probably applicable right now. And so we want to give you some insight and some uh, tools to prepare yourself for the attack of your enemy. First of all, expect an attack when you begin to grow spiritually. When we as individuals make significant steps of faith towards spiritual growth, the devil never likes it. He gets upset and nervous. And uh, we have, as a church, walked into an anointing and walked into realms of his spirit in the last six to eight months that are absolutely amazing. Um, and at the same time, we have stirred up a hornet's nest in hell. And uh, so when you begin to grow spiritually, you might as well just prepare for the enemy to scare you back into mediocrity and ineffectiveness and destroy the progress or attempt to destroy, or distract, or to disturb the progress that you have already made. <clears throat> when you begin to grow spiritually, because here's what's happening. The more you grow spiritually, the stronger you become. And the devil knows that if you become strong in him, not through your strength, but through the strength of your spirit that grows in Christ, then you become, he becomes even a more defeated foe. And uh, he can't, he can't win. He knows he can't win when you have grown and been strengthened uh, spiritually. He only knows 
that if he can get you off the rail and keep you in mediocrity and weakness, uh, then he wins. So if you if you begin to grow spiritually, well, how do you know you're growing spiritually? Are you reading the Word of God a little bit more? Are you listening to the uh, Word of God? Are you listening to music? Are you worshiping a little bit more than you used to? All those things are signs that you're getting to know him more. And as you begin to have revelation and you have that desire to draw closer to God, the enemy is going to be upset and you can expect him to do what he can to get you off track. The second time, and I'll just go back just a second, we have several people that have started their new lives. We baptized a whole bunch of people in the last year. We've got young people, we've got older people that are rededicating themselves. They're looking for new uh, insights. They're growing. They've committed to growth. And so we know that there are people that are open for the attack of the enemy because they're beginning to grow spiritually. The second time in life is when you are invading enemy territory, when you get involved in the things of the kingdom, when you get involved, whether it be through prayer, whether it be through outreach, whether it be through ministry to the poor or to the homeless, uh, of sharing your faith in the community by either word or deed, you become a distinct threat to the enemy. Satan's desire <coughs> excuse me, is to magnify his harassment and obscure the blessings of being involved in such a fruitful ministry. He wants you to make you think that your efforts aren't worth it. You're just really wasting your time that because you can't see the difference that you're making in somebody else's life, that person that you testified to, it didn't seem to register with them. It didn't seem to make a difference um, that your efforts aren't worth it. My friend, they are worth it. They are making a bigger uh, statement than you would ever imagine, and the enemy's not happy about it. For a clear picture of this dynamic, just go through the book of Acts. Almost every page that you turn, almost every time a an apostle or uh, like when Paul would start a new movement in a new city, there was almost always a counter movement that sprang up because the enemy knows that if you get your foot in the door of a certain region or area of your influence, um, that the venom of the enemy has to come out in multiple ways in different angles to try to get your witness to stop the activity uh, of, this, of the kingdom of God in that area. And so you have invaded his space because the person that you've testified to or the person that you've ministered to, he's got them where they want them. They're, they're on the outside. They're looking. They're searching. They don't know what God has to offer. And all of a sudden you show up and you just give them a hot meal or a blanket or you give them some clothes or a place to stay or you begin to share your testimony of overcoming addiction, of overcoming your own anger and fears and apprehensions, well, you have just invaded the territory of the enemy, and he's not going to be happy about it. And he's always going to try to make you think that you're not making that big of an effect. Trust me, the effects that you are making in doing those kinds of things are bigger and greater and deeper than you can ever imagine. So don't stop doing them. Um, Kind of going hand in hand with that, the third time in your life when the enemy is going to do his best to attack is when you're exposing the enemy. And nobody knows, or he doesn't want anybody to know, how he operates. And so every time you begin to minister the word to somebody, 
and you begin to talk about the things of the kingdom to somebody, you are really revealing the true kingdom, and that exposes the imitation kingdom, the the fake kingdom, if you will. And uh, so every time you begin to expose him and what he's really all about, uh, he has to respond in order to keep his foothold in the lives of others and keep his kingdom, quote unquote, on par with the kingdom of God, because you have just exposed him for the fraud that he is. And uh, he doesn't want to learn people to learn how he operates. If he could, if people would understand uh, and begin to tune out and not be affected by the way and the tools of the adversary, it would, it would, it's one of the reasons why Hollywood is a multi-billion dollar industry because the enemy has used Hollywood to paint a beautiful picture of lifestyles that are really ultimately lead into destruction and confusion. And uh, that's how strongly he feels about the countermeasure of uh, the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is peace. And how much... How many stories in the news media do you read or listen to or watch about just a peaceful deal? It's it, the whole first parts of every news broadcast. Yes, every once in a while they'll show a, a news story, but the majority of the news stories are all negative or all about the kingdom of the adversary, really, about the evil that's going on, the division that's going on, and the reason why that measure is so strong is because the enemy knows that if he can keep that going, it will affect the the world that we live in. And part of the reason why we're dealing with what we are is because his territory has been exposed by the church. We don't see it in the news media as often, but the, the kingdom of God is more powerful in the world today than we even recognize or understand. Please don't be discouraged thinking because the news only promotes all the junk that's out there that this world is absolutely a, a, a satanic type mess. The church is alive and well. The kingdom of God is advancing. There are conversions and baptisms and lives being changed every minute of every day all around the world. We are, believe it or not, in the greatest revival in the history of time. It's just that we're not hearing about it. It's not being seen, but it's happening all around the world. There's people that are coming to know the Lord like never before, and we're experiencing that. So every time we understand that, I'm thankful for for social media now, not only because we can come to you in this format, but we put out on our Facebook page on the church, not to pat ourselves on the back, but so that other people can see what's happening around the world too. So we post, we're thankful that we were able to baptize this many more. We don't do that to pat ourselves on the back, you know, saying we got to do something. What we're wanting people to be able to see is I enjoy watching all the different churches post about what God is doing. It lets me know when I see friends' churches down in Louisiana and Texas and Florida and and, and Maryland and Delaware and New Jersey and all around. I, I can go through all of my uh, contacts on Facebook, if you will, and I can see all their testimonies. We're not patting ourselves on the back for the victories, but we are sharing in one format all of the moving of God and the exposing of the enemy. And because of that, he is 
not going to be very happy. And so I've always said it this way, and I think I'll say it again here in my message here in a few minutes, but if things aren't going easy, it usually means I'm doing something right. It usually means I've stirred up somebody's nest and uh, and he's not happy with me. Number four, in an area of life where you can expect to feel or sense the moving of your enemy is when you are breaking away from worldly habits and lifestyles. There is a high probability of attack when you are having conversions like baptisms. Uh, Spirit of Grace Church people just, just understand that all of these people that are starting out their new lives, they are breaking away from all of the junk of their past, all of the good of their past, and they're starting brand new. And it's ex- extremely important to understand because right after we begin to break away from the world, we think things are going to get better. And, and I can count the number of times that I've talked to people that have started out with the Lord that thought that, man, once they made that decision to serve God, that, that was the easiest, you know, things will become a lot better. And and don't get me wrong, they are much better if we keep them all in proper context. But just because we've made a move for the Lord and we've started a new journey with Him, um, it's usually that's where the high probability of the enemy's attack because, again, you're stretching yourself, you're stretching the kingdom, you're, you're coming against Him. And uh, one preacher, Billy Cole, mentioned it this way. He said, I don't understand. I did what was right, what God wanted me to do, but things are not getting better. In fact, they are getting worse. And uh, <clears throat> he went on to say, that lets him know that he is making inroads into what God has asked him to do because the more that you separate from the comfort zone of your old past, your life, even though it may be full of turmoil, you have separated from it, you are now stepping in and beginning to grow again. And in the midst of growing, you're always going to have resistance. In the natural realm, going from baby to adult, that it happens, it's all natural resistance from the beginning uh, until that whatever age it is that you start, uh, the Bible says it this way, from dust to dust. When you are grown and then somewhere, whatever age that is, you stop growing and you start shrinking and and going back to dust. And uh, in all of that, it all happens with resistance. And so whenever you start breaking away from your old nature, uh, the enemy's not going to be happy. And then the last time in your life that you can be ready to, to face some opposition from your enemy is when you are being prepared for God's blessings. God just doesn't pour blessings out upon people. He has to first prepare us to receive his blessings. Spiritual opposition is often one of the things that lets you know that God is up to something. This is what I said a little bit earlier. It lets us know when we're doing that which is right, when we're getting ready to have the blessing of God, the breakthrough of God, when we're getting ready to have that growth burst, that that whatever it is that God is doing in us, one of the signs that we're just about there is the opposition of the enemy. I remember reading um, <clears throat> about Chuck Yeager who broke the sound barrier. And he, he wrote and he, he said, you know, just before he broke the sound barrier, the pressure in the in the cabin of the cockpit was just so strong 
that the, the dials all began to, to shake and all of the instrument panels began to shake and, and vibrate. He thought it was going, he thought the entire plane was going to just disintegrate because of the pressure. And then all of a sudden there was that boom and then everything was absolutely peaceful. You see, when you're being prepared to be blessed by God, as you're getting ready to go into that season of peace and blessing, there is that pressure, there is that fight. It sometimes appears to us as a random uh, attack, if you will, but um, they're not out of the blue. They're strategic. They know that a ble- uh, the devil knows that a blessing is getting ready to occur. And the only thing that would have caused Chuck Yeager from not breaking the sound barrier that day was if he would have let up on the throttles, if he would have gotten to that pressure point and not kept going. And if, if the devil can get us to back away, even in the, when we get to the most pressurized position, it's just that little more push, that little extra step, that little extra move. And when you do that, uh, you, you blast into God's blessings, if you will. Well, the devil knows that he's going to make that the hardest entrance that he can. So if he can get you to back off, then he's won. So we, we've talked about these being attacked or five areas of life where you can expect the enemy to be upset and to come against you. And it conjures up battlefields and artillery. Satan doesn't use, uh, he doesn't operate in the big things oftentimes uh, of battle. He dwells in the subtle unexplained things of life. And so in order to identify whether you're under attack, see, sometimes we just, we don't recognize when it's from the enemy and when it's just life or it's our, our own bad decision. We give the, the devil all kinds of credit because he's attacking us here. And he's, well, sometimes that's just life. Um, and so you have to ask your question, is this spiritual oppression or attack or is it just a, a bad day? Some days are just ugly. Our attitude is in the pits. Our boss is all over us, and we can't keep our minds on our work. And customers are rude, and at home the kids are out of control. <clears throat> they, we snap at our spouses, and in other words, it's a very bad day. Ordinary for some, but pretty ordinary day. And I'm just teasing, but just a bad day. They happen. We all have them. But other times we're confronted with what may be more than just a bad day. We may be under that spiritual attack or oppression. And so how do we tell the difference? I want to give you um, Pastor Brassfield. Dr. Brassfield talked to us at our Destiny Connect that he teaches in lists. Well, I kind of do the same thing. So I gave you five areas of life. Now I want to give you five clues to help you discern if it's spiritual forces that are coming against you or just a bad day. So the first one, just remember, is powerlessness. If you're suddenly unable to accomplish things that you would normally be able to to do easily, either in the natural world or in the spiritual realm, it may indicate an attack. There are times, for instance, if if you're a if you're a builder um, of a carpenter, you're a woodworker, and normally it would take no problem for you to to get involved and get something accomplished, um, but all of a sudden you can't. You can't even figure out how to use a measuring tape. <laughs> uh, chances are that's not just a bad day. Chances are that's that powerlessness, if you will. And I know that's even to an extreme, but 
it happens quite a bit to people and they don't recognize that that's what's really going on. The second one is inner turmoil. Inner emotional uh, turmoil or depression can also signal uh, an attack of the enemy. Um, a, a key indicator that something might be spiritual oppression is hearing yourself say things like, well, that's just not like me. Um, maybe your normal disposition leans toward optimistic and hopeful, but now you can't seem to shake this sudden case of depression or these ongoing nagging fears of anxiety, and or perhaps you um, experience unusual jealousy so badly that it turns into rage, or you might start having horrible dreams, <coughs> excuse me, and wake up unsettled and troubled. I, I will tell you this, uh, if, if any of those things line up, especially after you have ministered to another person, um, that's probably an enemy that's trying to attack. Because uh, what I have found is we are vessels of God. And we pour ourselves out in ministry. And then it takes some time for those springs of living water to rejuvenate because we've poured ourselves out. And then it takes some time. And it's in that in-between time that I have often found that the enemy can let that depression set in, let some of the different things that uh, uh, can, can, can settle into your spirit that can get you off into a left field as far as um, dreams, thoughts, things like that. In fact, I find that myself oftentimes Sunday nights and Monday mornings um, are usually that time where I do, well, I've poured myself out Sunday in preaching the message, in ministering to people, in sharing. And uh, if I don't take that time to recuperate that pouring out, uh, you can find yourself getting and dealing with that. It doesn't matter how fully given you are to the Lord, even the greatest prophet in Christ himself um we're vulnerable to certain attack and, and, and temptation even, if you will. Elijah in, uh, I think it's 1 Kings 19 or 2 Kings 19, um, Elijah has just come down from Mount Carmel, and uh, which was probably one of the greatest contests, spiritually speaking, of the Bible. And the next chapter we find him... Uh, really depressed. He's sitting underneath the tree complaining to God that he's the only one left, that there's nobody else. And, and, uh, and God deals with him. It's a, it's a message in and of itself of how God deals with Elijah in the 19th chapter. But my point being is you can be a prophet of God. You can be as close to the Lord as you want to be, but when you pour out, you'd still make yourself susceptible or vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And so you have to, that lets you know that maybe it's not just a bad day. Maybe it really is uh, the enemy trying to cause you problems. The third thing, the third thing to recognize is accusation. Uh, spiritual attack may come in the form of lies that others tell about you that have no basis. You are completely innocent, and yet a story of your complicity in something has sprung up seemingly out of nowhere. Um, oftentimes that's a trigger, if you will, to let you know that the enemy is attacked and it's not just a bad day, that it is actually the enemy. 
And number four is doubt. If you become overwhelmed with doubts in areas where usually or previously you were certain and assured, this too can become an attack of the enemy. This is very, very subtle. Uh, I tend to, some people would probably even classify me as stubborn, but I tend to become very confident when God has given me revelation and there's not a lot of things that can sway me unless there's something in Scripture that I haven't seen. Um, but there have been times in my ministry, especially when the Lord has given me new revelation, and I have <clears throat> had to adjust a preconceived idea of what Jesus meant by a certain passage of Scripture or how to interpret that passage. And if I've come at it a little bit different, and and he can sometimes put that drop of doubt in there, um, that's not healthy doubt. This is a dark doubt that threatens your faith, and is it really worth it? And You can live a life sold out to Christ. You can have discerning friends encouraging you because of the characteristics of God that they see in your life, and you can still wake up one morning believing that nothing you've ever done has amounted to anything. Those kinds of doubts, those kinds of question marks are usually the tool of the enemy to try to attack what God is doing already in you. Uh, I also believe that part of that is because I believe the thing that most people are missing in their relationship with the Lord or the biggest problem that we have as Christians is a lack of confidence in our relationship with Christ. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that our earthly relationships tend to be very fragile, um, tend to be, uh, how should I put it, they, they, they can become easily offended even when we didn't mean to offend. Can I just tell you that Christ doesn't offend easily and uh, he is not offensive uh, when we see him for who he is. He's offensive when he uh, we become offended by him maybe when looking at him we see the fault in us, uh, what, we sh what we could be better. That may be offensive, but he is not out to offend anybody. He's out to touch everybody and minister to everybody. So the fifth one is simply evil. And sometimes that's that's hard to sense uh, but there, we may sense it in something or someone. I have sensed a presence of evil in certain men and women through the years and in certain places. And yet in our polite, non-offensive, politically correct society, we tend to disregard these intuitions. And I believe that we should play, uh, pay closer attention to those times when we sense that evil. It's very difficult because we see evil all around us. Uh, that and it becomes kind of the norm um, because we're so used to the news broadcasts and what's going on and how things are operating around us that we become, I won't say calloused, but we become it becomes something we're used to. Um, put it to you this way. Uh, anybody that has ever golfed understand that the first time that you golf for a season, you come back and your hands are are, are sore and, and, and they're kind of rough because you haven't gripped a club and it hasn't been twisting in your hand as you've as you've swung it 
for a certain amount of time. But after you've played a couple of times, your hands build up to that that roughness where it hasn't changed from the first time to the to the tenth time that you've swung a club, but your hands have adjusted. Well, we do the same thing. We've we've heard about the evil of the world so often, and we've seen it so often in news broadcasts and in television programs and in schools and in neighborhoods around us. We've seen the evil around us that we become almost callous to it. And uh, I, I believe that if we could ever get ourselves back to where we're sensitive to what's going on around us, it's a key to letting us know whether or not the enemy is attacking us. Now, I, I've shared with you five um, times in life where you can expect to be attacked. I've given you five ways to identify um, the spiritual attack from the enemy. But I want you to know before we're done tonight that we're not left powerless to fight these attacks. We just oftentimes fail to realize that they are attacks. And a friend of mine told me years ago, when we start to sense the attack of the enemy, we need to just bind it and command it to go back from whence it came. I send whatever you're trying to throw on me back to where it came from sevenfold in Jesus' name. And uh, that that's kind of a quick answer. But if you do recognize that, that's a powerful answer. Because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And the joints and marrow is a thought, discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. When you speak Jesus, you're speaking the word that was made flesh. It's the greatest tool you have. So when you begin to speak the word of God and send it in Jesus' name, there's power in that. And But I want to also take a couple of things here in this passage of Ephesians um, to know how we can battle in power, how we can resist the attack of the enemy and not only resist him, but overwhelm him and overcome him. Uh, the battle, to battle the way the, the book of Ephesians admonishes us, first of all, begins with intimacy with God. There's few things that render us ineffective faster than allowing the distractions to keep us from enjoying the presence of God, and that is uh, a lack of intimacy with God. If you're not intimate with God, and then how can you recognize, how can God give you, uh, if you're not being able to recognize the things of God, how can you recognize the things of God's enemy and the enemy of your soul? And so the quote, uh, Dick Eastman said it this way once. He said, one thing is clear. Those nearest to God in the battle stand the, likely, the least likelihood of defeat. I'll say that again. Donald, or Dick Eastman said this. One thing is clear. Those nearest to God in the battle stand the least likelihood of defeat. The closer you are to God, the safer you are from the attack of the enemy. And uh, we have to understand that from time to time, that part of what we're dealing with is a lack of intimacy. And can I also say this? Uh, the enemy will always come at us like some of the uh, animals attacking the prey. They go to the weakest animal of the herd. And when you're the furthest away from God and you're not intimate with God, you're not close enough to him. You're not close enough to the shepherd for protection. The closer you get to God, the more protected you are. 
So how do you battle the attack of the enemy with all those things that we've talked about earlier? The first one is get intimate with him. Get close to him. Seek him during the day. Seek him during the night. Seek him as often as you can to be as close as you can. The second one is holiness. And holiness is has to do with purity, but it's purity that God places in our lives. As you're intimate with God, his holiness will overwhelm you. And your life will tell the devil where he can attack the easiest. He's never going to come to you at the strongest point. Just for me personally, I will just tell you because it's it's one of the weaker points of my life. He's never going to be able to uh, tempt me with drugs. I've just I've never been drawn to them. Uh, I don't I'm, I don't make that doesn't make me better than somebody that does. That's just the area of my life that the devil won't even mess with because it's not it's not a weak point. There's other areas of my life where I am weaker and he's going to attack me there. And so he's always going to try to attack at the weakest point. Well, as you get intimate with God and his holiness and his purity is applied to your life, it weakens the amount of weak points. In other words, his holiness strengthens us. So when God says, be ye holy for I am holy, he's making a declarative statement over you that you're holy because he's holy because you're in intimacy with him. And when you're close to him, it's his holiness that overwhelms you and his holiness oversees all of our weakness and we become resistant to the attack of the enemy. So intimacy with God, holiness. Third is prayerfulness. Uh, prayer can affect the spiritual atmosphere around those that are prayed for. Nothing will keep our minds more focused and actively engaged uh, against the enemy than prayer. Uh, prayer for one another was a mainstay in the church, the early church, and now uh, in Colossians 4.12, Paul says that mentioning a man by the name of Epaphras, he said, he is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God excuse me, mature and fully assured. In fact, prayer is the primary ministry through which the community of faith can stand shoulder to shoulder, fighting one with another to against the thing of the enemy, the attack of the enemy. Uh, I almost picture prayer time. Um, I, I'm kind of a history buff as far as wars and things are concerned. I love reading about the Civil War and the and the Revolutionary War and, and, and some of the other wars. And But to watch how they fought back then, you know, you had all the lines of of people lined up marching against one another and and uh, the, the larger the force. Well, I kind of picture that in the spirit, all of us shoulder to shoulder with the Word of God, that that sword, if you will, and, and, and prayer together puts... The prayer is what unites the body of believers together, and it becomes a great tool and instrument in fighting against um, the things of the enemy. The fourth thing is to guard your thought life. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity and obedience to Christ. The way you think, we have to guard our thoughts. 
Now, you can't keep thoughts from coming. Okay, thoughts will pay. It's, it's what happens when a thought hits you. And, and <clears throat> do you absorb that thought or do you, do you hit that thought and discard that thought in a heartbeat? That, that's really what we're, that's what we're talking about, guarding our thought life. What you see, what you hear, you can't keep thoughts from popping up because of everything that you see or hear or feel, all the senses around us, there's going to be thoughts that pop into our heads. But what we have to do is guard it and process very quickly. Is this thought godly or is this thought need to be discarded into the trash heap? Um... The measuring stick for that is Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Is this thought a true thought? Now, truth is not an emotionally based word. Truth is a intellectually based word. Uh, so is this thing true? Not is it, well, I feel like it's true. Is it true? It may make us fearful, but is it true? It may make us happy, but is it true? So that thought has to first go through that that funnel. Is this a true thought? If it's a true thought, then I'll think about it. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. <clears throat> it's amazing to me that we have got become so fearful of the concept of the power of positive thinking. Um, there is power in it. That's not to say that you can make something up if you think good enough about it. But what your thought process is becomes powerful of if you let the right things in there. If you're thinking about things only that are of good report, how powerful can that become? If you're thinking only pure thoughts, how powerful can that become? If you're thinking of anything that's praiseworthy or anything that's virtuous, how much more powerful can that be? And so when we understand that, uh, that, that concept of positive thinking, if you will, that's, that's not being unrealistic. That's thinking the right way, the right. And so the part of that is this, how do I recognize when something that seems to be negative, I can turn it to a proper perspective and make it a positive. So when something negative is happening to me, I have one of two ways to respond. I can begin to think of it in a negative way and it can drain me and I can be thinking, well, I'm no good. I'm this is happening and, and this, I'm against this. And, or I can take it and say, Here's an opportunity for me to grow. Here's an opportunity for me to address something in my life. Here's some, you see the two different perceptions or perspectives, if you will, change the power of what you become. If you begin to think negatively, it's going to drain you and you're going to deal with uh, things in a negative light. If you receive whatever comes, whether it's positive or negative, but you deal with it on a positive nature or a positive mindset all of a sudden, you begin to deal with that thing in a positive way. That's what I mean by the power of positive thinking. So guard your thought life. And then last tonight, remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're not just an average person. You're not just 
uh, John or Sally or Jim. You are a child of God. You have been purchased with the blood of the Lamb. You have been given the opportunity to be a part of a kingdom that is so much greater than you can ever imagine. You have all of heaven at your disposal. Angels camp round about them that fear him, the Bible says. So if you are in reverence and awe and obedience to him, you have an angelic host that camps round about you. You have been chosen by the creator to be who you are. He has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. And he has also called you and made you to be more than conquerors through Christ. So if you remember who you are, then all of a sudden the attack of the enemy becomes much lighter, much weaker, much less effective. Praise God. I believe that we are at the turn of a season. We've already been turning it where all of these things are starting to play out. We're experiencing spiritual growth. We're experiencing uh, new life changes. We're experiencing uh, taking over and stepping into the enemy's um, territory. We're exposing his weaknesses. We're exposing his kingdom. We are breaking away from worldly habits. We're doing all of those things, and we are being prepared for God's blessing. So the enemy's, excuse me, not happy. He's he's fighting. Um, and, and so when you recognize that, then begin to pray more, grow closer to God, become more intimate, begin to lean on his holiness, begin to pray against it, <clears throat> begin to uh, uh, challenge by uh, guarding your life and then remembering, I am a child of God. And then just see how victorious you become. God is calling us to victory even now, I believe. Praise God. The battle of the worlds. I believe that our world, the kingdom of God, is going to rule and reign supreme and overcome everything the enemy. Stay strong. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Lean on God. Know that he has the best for you. And I look forward to the testimonies that come. God bless you tonight and have a wonderful rest of the week. And should the Lord tarry, we'll gather together on Sunday in Jesus' name.